0: Hey, friends, welcome to the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about four rhythms that help you reduce stress and anxiety and take charge of your emotional health. Rest, restore, connect, create.
1: These ideas come from Rebecca's best selling book, Rhythms of Renewal Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's live in rhythm.
0: Welcome back. I'm Rebecca.
1: And I'm Gabe.
0: So excited to have you here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's been fun. So many of you are part of the community that Rebecca and I got to interact with just this week, and it's so fun to have so many of you getting so engaged in how to live out these rhythms. I know the podcast is one thing, but when you take that next step and you're like, I'm going to implement this into my life, it's kind of next-level community, next-level conversations, and it's been great.
0: I love it. Every Monday, I do a Bible study first thing right out of the gates, 9 a.m., going through Philippians, and then we do a Q&A of anybody's questions from the week prior, which has been great. And we do a monthly book together. So right now we're reading Dream Big, and we're going to hear from Bob Goff on Zoom this Friday. Yeah, and
1: then in August, Jenny Allen's going to be with us. Yep, Get and, Out of Your Head. Yeah, talking about her bestseller, Get Out of Your Head. And I think for any of you listening and you're saying, I need to go a little deeper, I want to take one more step of intention with August coming up, I know some of you, school's starting. I know we're all trying to figure out what that's going to look like. And I know for a lot of you, it's a lot of new dynamics. It's going to be critical that we are proactive about our rhythms. So jump in with this community and be a part of it. And you can learn more about it at RebeccaLyons.com slash community. And you can jump in with us and yeah. just be a part of these conversations and learning. Um, Rebecca, we should probably acknowledge that we had to call the police last week. Yes, you we should.
0: I'm glad that you brought that up. <laughs>
1: I know, because I feel like we just owe it to our audience to, you
0: to know, if how- you ever have
1: to call the police, there's a good story there. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't want to get into all the details, but our 19-year-old son— decided while he was doing a little bike ride at the park to just kind of go, go exploring, exploring. Mm-hmm. on a new path that I don't think any of us realized was there. Right. And so uh, what that meant was <laughs> we had a few minutes of an adventure of trying to discover where Cade had decided to explore. And fortunately, we found him. He was just kind of sightseeing and enjoying he the saw, view.
0: He saw the Harpeth River flowing through. He and did see the river, but he, he wasn't really, in danger. No, he wasn't He, he wasn't was near not. the river. He never thinks he's lost. And I've written about this in past books about how Cade would just go exploring and the rest of us are freaking out and he thinks he's on an adventure.
1: Yeah. So this was 2.0
0: of that from a 19-year-old's perspective. It it is
1: one of those dilemmas of just one adult being there trying to watch – now we have Joy and Cade, and so it's just we're we're learning how to tag team a little bit better and do this. But thankfully, takes hes a great. village. Yeah, literally our whole team. He's awesome and, on uh, foot. <laughs> yeah, our team jumped in and just we were all nearby and just kind of found him. But
0: yeah,
1: um, but I want to talk. about- So I'm about, grateful
0: for the police. Let's just say yeah, that. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. We're glad the police were there. Now, a lot of you have been asking for more details about the retreat, and it's happening. October 23rd to 26th, our Rhythms Retreat is going to take place. Lost
0: Valley Ranch, my favorite place.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great place. Rebecca actually writes about it in Rhythms of Renewal. She tells this story. In
0: Permission to Play, the story of my horse, Newcastle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you learning how to lope and just freely riding through these trails in the mountains. It's gorgeous. Any of you have been out in kind of the big nature of the west. You experience all of that and we're going to in it's that setting. It's
0: glorious in October. Yeah, it's and in so that pretty. setting,
1: we're going to we're going to basically go deep into rest, restore, connect, create. We're going to have Bill and Lori Loki with us who mm-hmm. are our counselors both in marriage as well as just in our own personal counseling dealing with trauma dealing with how we integrate these rhythms into our life. Um, we're going to have Pete Richardson with us talking about you know, our life plans, our careers. He's
0: our life coach. Yeah, yes. how do we
1: create? And and then Emerson Egrich is going to join us. He's going to be virtual, but he's going to be a part of this conversation who wrote the book Love and Respect on, on relationships marriage. and parenting and connection. Yeah. So the the beauty of it is there'll be about 50, maybe 60 of us Hanging out for four days. Yeah,
0: riding horses, learning, learning how to live in rhythm in deeper ways. Some people are coming as as married couples. Some are coming as friends. We are just so excited to um, get this time together because the deep dive of this, and I think a lot of us are looking forward to being in the same space. And of course, everyone's adhering to guidelines for the state of Colorado. So just know that if you're looking to go deep in rhythm, whether it's Rest, Restore, Connect, and Create – in your marriage, your parenting, your friendships, your your calling, your work. Um, we want to do this with you, and I think it's so fun to do it together.
1: Yeah, you can learn more about that at rebeccalions.com slash retreat. It's a pretty limited space. Check it out quickly if you're interested, and uh, we'll look forward to hanging out with you in October. Now, for this interview today, we had a great conversation with Nicole Zazowski, and she wrote this book called From Lost to Found, Giving Up What You Think You Want for What will set you free. And I, and I think Rebecca what I love about this conversation is so many of us and we've talked about a lot during this COVID quarantine season. There's been a lot that we've lost and we've mm-hmm. given up. And sometimes you don't know what's on the other side of that, but there's always something good on the other side of that. And I want us to just listen into this conversation with Nicole on what we can find on the other side of quarantine.
2: Welcome to the podcast, Nicole. Hey, thanks for having me, Gabe and Rebecca. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, it's so great to get to meet you in this way. And we're excited today for just people to get to hear more about your story and your journey. I know as I was reading your book and getting more familiar with just the journey that you've been on, it's just been encouraging to see other people who are starting to walk out this life of freedom that came through surrender, which has been so much of what we talk about here on the Rhythms for Life podcast. Is what's on the other side of surrender, and I feel like that's your story. And I just want people to hear a little bit more about it. So, give us the story. And, and I know it's long, but but <laughs> let's try to let's try to button it up a little bit so that people can get a feel for just where you came from and and how it led to you starting to decide you wanted to share your story with more people.
2: Absolutely. So, about ten years ago, I was living in California. Um, I was working as a marriage and family therapist. I had just gotten married myself. And the way that I describe it is I was, I was very much living this life that I, that felt very comfortable that I had built with my own two hands. I use a quote in that first chapter of the book from C.S. Lewis that we are, we are far too easily pleased. And I had no idea that I was, you know, I was so passionate as a therapist about helping people find peace and joy outside of circumstance I didn't realize that I was personally missing out on that freedom that I was so passionate about helping others find. I'd had a faith, a strong faith my whole life, but I didn't realize that I was adding these things to Jesus um, in order to feel valued and secure. And it wasn't until I confronted my own season that could largely be characterized by change and loss that I describe it that God pried my fingers off of what I thought I wanted, and I was left empty-handed, which was really painful. Um, Certainly in that season, I lost tangible things, but in what I now recognize to be God's graciousness to me, I also lost those props to my faith, those false identities, and I discovered, with those empty hands, that often the greatest joy is found when we are drained of that misplaced hope and shallow identities.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you. Talk about naming what you lost, or naming the, the fear of what we are losing the most. Could you explain a little bit more uh, specifically what that loss looked like in your life?
2: Yeah. I think on the surface, I I confronted this season where. Uh, There was this big transition. I moved across the country um, to a place where I knew no one and was stripped of that comfort, that community, the familiarity. Um, I I also was met with a season where that praise and performance that I had depended on um, from other people uh, was stripped away. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was the beginning just the beginning of a season where then we, my husband and I entered a season where we experienced multiple miscarriages. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's what the loss looked like on the surface. But to answer your question, Rebecca, what I really feared (laughs) losing most was my sense of worthiness, um, was my sense of relevance and my sense of control.
0: Mm.
2: And Mm -hmm. God used a season I wouldn't have been brave enough to choose for myself. I'll be real honest about that. I wouldn't trade it now, but I wouldn't have been brave enough yeah. if you had given me the pencil back then. Um
1: It's interesting how yeah, so many of our the turns in our life we would never have chosen, but you look back on it, you know, a decade and you start to see this amazing story that God's trying to tell that you never would have chosen because we don't have the wisdom to see what, what we actually need. And and as you're sharing all about the losses and the things that you had to walk through and give up, it, it reminds me of how much so many people listening right now are walking through that journey as well, having to give up things, give up control. We don't know quite what next month will look like or right. whether we can travel and what we're able to do with school. and And so I think so many people now are walking through a season of complete uncertainty and having to live a surrendered life. And it feels like that's what you've been walking out. And I, and I I wonder how you would share with somebody listening right now who's in the middle of that loss period and they don't know what the other side of it's going to look like. How would you encourage them about the importance to stay in the moment and to stay surrendered?
2: Yeah, you described that so well, um, because I, I know that 2020 has been a hard year for all of us. And I, I truly believe that God takes what feels ruined and weaves his story of redemption into it. A structure that's been really helpful for me um, that I was reminded of as you asked that question, Gabe, is in Daniel 3, where it's that passage where Daniel is, is confronting King Nebuchadnezzar and um, with the story of the fiery furnace. And he says, I know God is able. I believe that he will. And if he doesn't, I still trust him. Right, um, and that's been such a helpful framework of hope for me when there wasn't much of a earthly reason to hope, mm-hmm. um, or I couldn't find those footholds of predictability. Like you said, we don't know what next month is going to look like. We don't know if we're going to have a job by the end of the year, perhaps, or you know whatever that looks like for the listener.
0: Yeah. You talk about in your your latest book, From Lost to Found, this idea of losing what you think you want. Uh, and I think that's really, um, when I think about COVID, people came into this and loss is everywhere because there's the five stages of grief and loss, and there's almost this having to own what we have lost. And I know personally... Um, I I lost a life that felt overwhelming and I'm not at the time I would have been so afraid to lose that. Here we are 3 months later and me going, I thought I wanted the busy and the go and the the significance that I thought was attached to you know, like you said, worthiness or the latest accomplishment or the going and the doing. And yet what I'm finding and I'm wondering if this is true for you or for the listener as well, that even in the loss of what you thought you wanted, uh, you hear talk about comfort. Or for me, it was very much about this idea of losing what felt productive and efficient and almost in some ways recognizable. Now it's a little more hidden. and But I'm finding I have a lot more joy in just the hidden, slow, uh, I don't know, just every day normalcy. Um, that, that is a new normal, obviously, but there it's it's amazing how a study recently just said about forty-eight percent of uh people surveyed were saying like they have benefited from what we would now call loss of quarantine and COVID and things like that. Yes. Because what we think we want isn't always what we need. Speak to that a little bit.
2: Exactly. No, on the I truly believe on the far side of, of pain we don't prefer, we find transformation we wouldn't trade. And I I hear that as you speak, Rebecca. Like this this idea of being comfortable. I think I used to think that the enemy only works in our lives by attacking us um, or by making us, you know, obviously miserable. Um, but how I've recognized him working in my life is keeping me comfortable without Christ. Not necessarily comfortable in that life is super easy, but in the very same ways that that you are describing, a life where I felt significant apart from Christ, a life where I felt self sufficient and like you know my life was a result of my own grit instead of God's good grace. And I, I feel like that God just took my, he used COVID and he used the story on the pages of From Lost to Found to continue crying my fingers off of places I had invested my identity and safety that were never meant to work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I we recently were listening to our friend Andy Crouch, who was talking a lot about the way our minds are geared towards easy everywhere, and he references it in the term of technology, that technology is kind of built for us for life to be easy, and yet in living in an easy life, we don't become resilient. We don't become the mm-hmm. kind of people that God really wants us to be so we can withstand you know, the hardship and the challenges and the things coming. You mentioned uh, in your book, you talk about control and kind of you wrestling with that idea of giving up control. I think for so many people, this is a major challenge, is we we have this thought that we are in in control, you know, like we look Mm -hmm. at the year ahead and we actually think we're running the show. (laughs) Um, And when you start to wrestle with the fact that you're not in control, help people understand how to walk through that and what, what, again, the benefit of letting go versus trying to manage everything.
2: Yeah, it's such a good question. I think when we confront the thing that we can't change, it has, there's an invitation for it to change us. And we do have such this false idea that we are in control and that we do manage our own lives. I know for me, what that looked like is growing up and in my adult life, I wouldn't say I was ever the most talented in the room, but what I lacked in natural talent, I made up for with hard work. And I sort of lived in this narrative that if I can just work hard enough, I can make my life happened the way that I want it to. And I confronted something, particularly with the fertility issues and the um, multiple miscarriages saying, saying goodbye to five babies. I confronted something. It didn't matter how well I performed or how hard I worked that I couldn't change it. And so that's where the surrender comes in. I had a choice. I I used to look at peace and joy as on the far side of you know the dream realized or the goal achieved and now I see them as something that is is available to me to choose now and to see them see them as action steps now.
0: Right. You you outline losing you, like how loss and failure lead to choice and being mm-hmm. found, and I think so often people are kind of in that spin cycle of loss and failure, and and really see that as the end all. You know what I mean? Like when you have a failure and a loss season, it's hard to imagine what will yield on the other side of that. And part of it, I'm so grateful, and I love the way you write. Um, Can I just say that? You're an awesome storyteller. (laughs) Thank Thank you for being so relatable. Um, But just giving us handles for when you lose something, you have to start asking these larger questions of life. And and then what is it that you're finding? You know, I, I remember for myself in certain seasons of change or transition and you talk about that too, like just kind of a midlife reset. And um, but when you lose your comfort or security your friendships, the approval, whatever that looks like. Then what what what's coming around the bend? You know, cuz if you lose something, then what? Like what's next? What is to be found? Um I remember when we moved here 7 years ago, I couldn't let go of what I had lost. I just kept like having a pity party for about 8 weeks after <laughs> moving to Franklin from New York City. I missed things, and I and transition isn't easy for me anyways, but God just said, you cannot see the unknown until you release the known. There's a sense of like, you can't cross over and have a new perspective until you release or lose or let go of what you've held on to that almost has become some level of idolatry. It's just been my attachment and my need to that place or that person or that thing so talk about that shift, shift of stop mulling over the loss or mourning the loss or grieving the loss like you should give it that time, but at some point when do you decide to let go so you can see clearly in a different way.
2: Yeah. Um I love that. And and I do think, you know, naming the loss and naming what that thing is for you whether it's, you know, the courage to say I did lose my significance because it was lost in, or it was wrapped up in the in the wrong thing. I didn't really lose it, but I had it invested in the wrong thing. Because um, we can't change what we won't name. But then we have, we do. We have to take our empty hands and those, all those supports and props to our faith that didn't work, that have been ripped from our grasp, and we have to take our empty hands and receive what God has for us. And there might be this period of, I call it liminality, kind of where you le- you leave one cliff and you haven't exactly landed on the next one. But for me, the biggest thing with that loss of control was understanding that our hope is not in the gift itself, but in the in the giver. And whatever the giver wanted to give me, in whatever he wanted to place in my empty hands, whether it be transformation in my own heart, whether it be you know a new definition of where my significance comes from, which is um, absolutely what happened in my own story. But I feel like when, when those other things fail, we have empty hands to cling to the only thing that's going to be sure, which is the person and presence of, of Jesus. And, and the transformation and truth that he promises will not fail us.
1: One of the top concerns of Americans right now is their health care and who's providing it, how much it's gonna cost. And one of the great opportunities we have as Christians is to invest in something called Samaritan Ministries. Now, Samaritan Ministries is a little bit different than typical insurance. Rebecca and I and our family have enjoyed the benefits of healthcare sharing ministries, and now over a quarter of a million Christians care for one another's needs that way, from broken bones to cancer, pregnancies to organ transplants, all without the use of typical insurance. Each month, Samaritan members send their monthly financial gift to another member with a medical need. They pray for them, maybe even send a note of encouragement. They organize this so well, it's really simple. But if you've never experienced it before, you might be curious to learn more. So we want you to learn more. New members are always welcome, and you can do that at samaritanministries.org slash rflpodcast. That's samaritanministries.org slash rflpodcast. So instead of being concerned about healthcare, make sure you're getting your healthcare for the best price. As you share your story, you you kind of understand about yourself that you're a feeler, you know, that yes. <laughs> you describe yourself as a person that, you know, your feelings matter. You're in touch with your feelings, I'd imagine. In our relationship with Rebecca and I, she tends to be a little more in touch with her feelings. I've had to come <laughs> along and learn. But but you do talk about the distinction between your feelings and what's really true. And I think in our culture today, this is one of those areas that's really hard for people to distinguish because we've, we've kind of been trained to think that the thing we're feeling or the thing we believe must just be true. And the reality is we can't all be right. There's something that has to be objective and actually true. And you talk about that we need to make that choice, that sometimes our feelings are going to want to try to drive us, but we really got to be careful with that. So could you describe a little bit more about how you're thinking about that? And for people who are, you know, they haven't heard somebody describe the difference between what they're feeling and what's true, how, how would you define the differences?
2: Yeah, so that would be definitely a practical step of helping you move from what's been lost to, to what you're finding and holding on to. And that was such an important distinction for me of understanding that there is a difference between our feelings being real and our feelings being true. They absolutely matter, um, they are clues to perhaps wounds that need some healing, whether that's from the past or or things that are currently going on in a relationship. But they, so they matter, they're real, uh, they're valid. Um, often there's very good reasons we feel those things, but they do not tell us the truth about our value and our sense of safety. And so we have to, at that point, not only recognize the feeling, name it, so we can change it. Also recognize how we're tempted to protect that feeling that is understandable, but not helpful. Um, and then speak truth to that feeling. And this is where some people, uh, myself included, some people struggle because we we really want to feel the truth uh, before we claim it. And unfortunately, we can think and act our way to a new feeling. We cannot feel our way to a new way of thinking and acting.
0: Give an example then of like naming the truth, because I think a lot of times if you feel scared or you feel insecure, you feel left out, you feel like, you know, you're failing at, you know, motherhood, work, friendship, you name it, you feel lonely.
2: What is the truth? Totally. So pain comes from two different directions. One is a violation of love, which tells us about our identity. So that would be, you know, feelings of unworthiness or not good enough or insignificant. The other direction is a violation of trust where we would feel unsafe or, you know, that's a big one right now in 2020 because there's lots of unpredictability and people don't feel emotionally safe. Um, And so the truth about identity the important thing is that it speaks directly to whatever wound you're carrying. Um, and it's not necessarily just the opposite word. It's gotta be a phrase that really sings with you, <laughs> that that really kills whatever that that feeling is. So for me, insignificant is, is a, one of my buzzwords. That's one of my wounds. And so it's really important for me to have in my back pocket that I am significant outside of circumstance. And that outside of circumstance is key because one of the things I tend to do in my pain is perform. And so <laughs> if I could just be good enough, I'll Sounds feel familiar. good enough. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, but the problem is then I'm only as good as my last performance. Exactly. And so, it's
0: exhausting
2: it's totally exhausting. The truth about safety is a little more nuanced because as we've all discovered in, in this year of 2020, yeah, you know, nobody's really safe. So it's, it's not helpful to say you are safe when, you know, the world feels like it's crumbling around you, but we are not alone. Yeah. I'd
0: like to camp on that for a moment. The, yeah. The safety thing, because yeah. that is, that is the, tension everyone who's listening is feeling right now. 2020 feels unsafe. So what does God say? What can still ring true? Like you said, you're not alone. He is with us. There's Emmanuel. What more? I, I think I think there just needs to be greater handles around this. Um, I was driving with my daughter yesterday, and somebody texted me, And I was trying to look at it. She goes, Mom, I don't feel safe. I'm like, well, that makes sense. I'm not supposed to look at my phone ever when I'm driving. So I had to acknowledge that, and I had to acknowledge that and be like, I'm sorry, I don't want to make you feel unsafe. The unfortunate thing, it's like normative for years, and then all of a sudden we're like, no, we shouldn't be looking at our phones. I used to really pride myself on multitasking, but that's not legal. So we don't do that. But there is sometimes a sense of exaggeration in going, I just don't feel safe. And yet, it's like, what is wrapped around that? Is there a lack of trust and protection or provision um, on the ethereal level, on the, like, is God in control? Do I have to actually do this because I feel unsafe and I can't trust that somebody else has got this? Mm. Um, Speak to that. I want to, like, speak to the listener who that does follow God that does believe in God and and go how do i release this at some point and go i've got to trust because i think safety and trust go hand in hand
2: absolutely when we feel unsafe it's usually there's been some violation of trust on some level and there's a whole bucket of of feelings we could name in that unsafe umbrella like underneath that umbrella you know you mentioned um, feeling powerless, uh, feeling betrayed, feeling, um, you know, out of control, um, Mm -hmm. helpless. And so trapped, trapped, stuck. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, And so there's some mitigating truths. There's three of them. Um, And this is based on a, a model of therapy that I practice called restoration therapy. But there's three mitigating truths that are kind of, I always picture a rock climber. There are kind of footholds Mm -hmm. in the midst of an unsafe situation. The first is one we've already talked about that we are not alone. Um, Certainly God is with us. Uh, Most of us have, could name people in our community that have walked through painful things with us. Didn't, Didn't eliminate the pain, but it did change it. Um, the second is that, uh, while we may not be in total control, there are things we are not completely helpless either, that we do have agency. There are things we can control. Right. Even if they're really small. Right.
0: And that's all (laughs) it takes
2: sometimes. Yes. Just knowing you have agency over something in the circumstance. That's the survival
0: instinct in us.
2: Yep. Okay. Absolutely. And what's the third thing? The third thing is that if we have to go through this, Mm -hmm. um, if we've been confronted with a painful season, what are the treasures we can find in the wake of what's been broken and lost? How is this shaping me? How is this um, changing my heart? How is this molding my relationships differently? I've heard countless stories during, during this year of, you know, tragic loss. And yet there's this acknowledgement of we operate completely differently as a family. Yep.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Than we did
2: before. And so it's, it's the ability, this isn't about, I'm not a silver linings person. Like this is not about putting a silver lining on a cloud. This is about, or, or trying to call something bad, good. Um, this is about acknowledging the suffering and at the same time, acknowledging the redemption and growth that only God can provide that grows out of it.
0: I love it. Thank you for—I feel like this is a nugget for everyone who listens to this. Uh, how do you respond? How do you respond to a feeling of um, of need for safety? And anyone, grab this book from Lost to Found. There's so many nuggets of truth in it. But remember today that there are three things in your response to safety that, that you are— um, Remind me, Nicole. You're not alone. <laughs> Recapping, you're not alone. You have some sense of agency. There's something small you can do. You're not powerless. And then the third one, Nicole, you wrap it up.
2: Yeah, that there is, uh, if we have to go through this, what is the goodness that God might be growing in us and through us?
0: That's, that's the gift of resistance is the adversity forms us. It forms mm-hmm. us. And I think of the maturity. I mean, we went through a major, you know, anything traumatic or even remotely traumatic, but anything hard and challenging grows us. It just, it does. It matures us overnight. We had um, gave birth at 26 to a son that six hours later uh, looked like he had signs of Down syndrome and that came out of left field. I was, you know, I felt very young and immature and not ready for being a mom, A, and then B (laughs) jumping into the deep end of uh, a special needs community and learning um, overnight. Yet what I when I look back now at what God did in the course of just Cade's first year of life, I felt like it was the like the fastest learning curve I had ever like walked through in my entire life up to that point. And so it's always those things that are possibly unexpected and hard that really just form you in such a deep way and change fundamentally what you value, how you see the world. And your faith and reliance on god so thank you nicole for being a part of this conversation thank you for your wisdom thank you for giving us some free counseling (laughs) as well (laughs) and we're just so grateful for you and your voice and your writing and your work and we hope you keep writing and we want to make sure that
2: everyone grabs a copy from lost to found thank you so much for having me Dave and rebecca this is awesome isn't she great
1: yeah, it's a great conversation. I'm thankful that everybody got to meet her because mm-hmm. you know, she's kind of a new friend to us. And her book, From Lost to Found, go get that book, read it. It's a perfect way to end the summer. And then I also want to remind you, if you want to jump in on our community, be a part of this Bob Goff conversation, be a part of the Jenny Allen conversation and Rebecca's Monday studies, go to RebeccaLines.com slash community. And then again, The Rhythms Retreat, October 23rd to 26th. Space will not be available for long. So go to com slash retreat and you can learn more about that and register. We hope you guys have a wonderful week.